This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot Hello and welcome to the Low Strangers podcast. It's been yet another dark week in what has been a rancid season. And here to muddle our way through it is the dynamic duo of James and Terry. Hello, James. Ahoy, all aboard the good ship to spare. <laughs> that is a, a perfect way of putting it. Hello, Terry. Yeah, I've got nothing to beat that. that was, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's probably just like to, uh, this weekend, to be honest. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd just like to put out that... Um, I've taken the executive decision to put my rabbits safely in the hutch before recording this podcast. So I was avoid, worried about that. Yeah. 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 I'm going to avoid all of that shenanigans. I mean, it's not like we haven't got anything to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only negative thing is that there is now this out of context LS pod Twitter account that. Um, would have been excellent content if you had kept the, the rabbits outside the hutch, Terry, because, you know, I think that is to date the only tweet on that account. But uh, hopefully we can provide them with something on today's episode. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we will uh, accidentally provide some comedy gold. Hope, fingers crossed. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm going to be part of it, but James, I'm, you know, I'm sure you can pull something out of the hat. Oh, there's always time. There's always time. 
<laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of news to discuss this week. I think we should probably start with the FA charge because it feels bigger than any game that we could have played this week. Um, it's something that was like simultaneously both a long time coming and also just a bit of a surprise in terms of the timing. I wasn't really expecting to be covering this this week. Um, how do you guys react to it? If we start with you, James. Uh, I just don't like. I was at work when it all happened. And I remember I look, I go, when I finished work, looking at my phone, and just not feeling surprised about it because we've all kind of known that. Obviously, the only situation has been quite has been under scrutiny, and obviously now we know. I swear that we've known about the Gareth Barry thing for a while um, with the Michael Sanding stuff, but whether we knew the extent of that, but I just I don't know. It's hard to it's hard. To, we don't know what. The outcome to be that's the only thing that's important for us. I mean, whether it's going to affect us or the um, the parties, but yeah, uh, it's just despairing it really. To be honest with you, it's another line in the shit cake of our season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of. I don't think there's been any real revelations as a result of this. It's all kind of information that since the trial last season, Terry was kind of in the public sphere. But it is just worrying, like not knowing what's happening to the club. Because I, I guess with the charge that we're being sort of taken to task for by the FA, it's, I don't think it's really something that's got a proper precedent for. So <laughs> there's been a lot of speculation about what might happen, and we we really have no idea. I guess. I think that's the important thing. I think speculating doesn't really help at this point. There, there, I don't think we've learned anything new from this, have we? It, it's just, it's just what I'm fascinated to know is. What is the trigger? Why now? What what has happened? Something has happened that has made them charge us at this point. Um, I've heard a couple of rumours about what that might be, none of which I'm, I'm willing to, to put any weight behind. Um, but obviously, something has obviously happened in the last few weeks to, to trigger the charge. Um, and as you say, there's no precedent here. The only thing I'd point out is that it is an FA charge, not a Football League charge. Um, the FA don't tend to issue points deductions. There, are, there is no precedent. The club, to be clear, the club have been charged as well as individuals. So the club, you would assume, will be punished as well as individuals. Um, my gut feeling is it won't be a points deduction. I don't, I, I don't really see any precedent for that. Um, but as you said, there's not really precedent for any of this. I think, I think it could just be fines, potentially bans. Who knows? Um, I get the only thing I would add is that, um, we, as I said, we don't know what's triggered this. My only hope is that it's another small stepping stone or symptom of an end game of sorts. That that that's all I can hope for. Um, what what has, what has, what has triggered the charge? Is it some sort of movement on the on the ownership front? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess we have we have to hope that this is another step towards the resolution, whether it be positive or, positive or negative for us, because I, I guess the, the main thing we don't want is something hanging over us. We, we also don't want a negative resolution to any of it, but um, I, get, I guess some kind of resolution where we can then start to make the, the next steps, James, is better than no resolution at all. And it has kind of felt this season like we've been in this stasis and that nothing has been able to happen and this season has been completely pointless and I, I don't know how much 
that that's been like the football's been bad and we've not been able to be in grounds and how much that is the opposite situation is so bad but I, I honestly feel like we, we have got to the point that this is the worst season I've watched Swindon Town in, bar none. Oh, without a doubt, certainly for me, I, it puts the whole 2010-11 season into stark kind of viewing, really. I mean, just, we've been making steps backward for about 12 months and I just want us to make at least one step forward. It doesn't even have to be a massive one, but just a little, even a baby step forward would be better than nothing at the moment. Um, the ownership troubles are something that's probably going to brew on for for a while. Hopefully it's not as long as it could be. Um, yeah, I mean, we, it's on the on the beyond kind of the chart, we'd obviously said, Terry said, and you both said, there's no precedent for it. So I think it's hard to really speculate on what, it, the impact's going to be on the club really at this time and, and the, the owners as well, whoever they are. Um, so yeah, it's just just wait and see, I guess. I mean, it's the only thing we can really, really say at this time, really. I think the, the, no matter what happens on the pitch, t- speed is of the essence now. We're so criminally... <laughs> interesting choice of words. We are so horrendously mismanaged. I don't want to... Don't sue me. me. I didn't mean criminally in that sense. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, We're so disgracefully run, top to bottom, every department, every level, on and off the pitch, that... We will only see positive strides forward in any of those departments with with complete overhaul and, and complete change. Now we, we we have gone past the point where we can have slightly positive steps forward. Like there are no slightly positive steps forward anymore. It, it, it's 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 gone right. And, and the the football now is for me the football the on pitch matters are completely completely second priority. Like, it was only this morning that I remembered we were a football club as well as a horrendous <laughs> corporation. Because um, I've been de- just been dealing with a lot of a lot of the horrendously managed corporation side of things this week. So it's sort of irrelevant if whether we stay up or go down. Who cares at this point? Like the most important thing is that we have some sort of corporate structure and management. And I don't mean football manager. I mean business management structures in place to allow us to function for the next three, six, 12, 24 months. Like it, we're sat here on the 10th of April. We don't, we still have season tickets aren't on sale yet. Season tickets for this year haven't been resolved despite every, pretty much every other club in the football league offering some sort of resolution. A lot of them very customer centric, uh, smart ways of rewarding loyalty through through a horrendous time for fans. We, we've not done anything in there. We've not done anything in terms of um, the club have not responded to the trust's open letter. Um, they've not responded to Clem Morfuni's yeah. stated vision for the club that he published via the trust a few, a few weeks ago. There's complete silence at every level of this club and until the off-field management structure is 
completely blown apart and replaced top to bottom, we will make no steps forward. We won't. We don't have a budget. We won't have a budget for next season. We have no income. We have no season tickets. We will have no strategy for recruitment. Like Ben Chorley's left. Um, other senior members of staff have left. I don't know how publicly, so I'm not going to name names. But like, who's left? Like, it's, it's rats jumping from a sinking ship at this point. Like, it's literally just Power and, and Sheridan and maybe Taylor Curran's dad, maybe um, running around and, and Steve Anderson running around ruining a football club. Like. It's, it's, it's time to go, right? It's time to go. It's time to come to the table. It's time to talk to to the to the public. It's time to talk to the existing shareholder of the club that you have an, a, a genuine bid from to purchase it. It's time to go public if if this group of Americans are genuinely trying to buy the club. Like, like, what are you doing here? Like, are you just going to sit in silence and and burn this to the ground around you? Like, what what are you doing? Yeah, what's your motivation? Ben. What like what is the motivation? What what's the what's the aim? What's the target? Like other than other than just to allegedly maybe we don't know for sure take money out of the club to support your own lifestyle because you don't have another job. Like what else? Yeah, I mean it does it does feel a bit like the point of no return now where I, I don't think Lee Power or anyone really involved in that kind of side of running at the club has been popular for a long time at Swindon. Definitely not since the last relegation, but. It now feels like the point where so much of the fan base is united against it that that there's no way forward for them in terms of of running the club and we we need a new beginning and as sad as it is to say, I think this whole season it feels like we're we're gonna go down and we're gonna be back sort of where we were the last time that we were newly relegated to League Two in 2017 and almost nothing that's happened since then has kind of really mattered because we've just kind of wasted time to be at the same place where we were, like behind where we were. And if if you look at our opponents on the pitch today, um, on Saturday against Peterborough, they're not a bigger club, but they've run well. They've managed to sort of sell well and uh, really challenge for promotion to the championship. And I just feel so envious looking at a club that, you know, can actually legitimately look upwards rather than behind their own back. And how pathetic is that to be envious of Peterborough United? Exactly. Like, no offense. No offense to them. Like I've been there loads of times. It's a nice club. Like don't have an axe to grind with them at all. Like, I, you know, they're a much much better run club than us. And, and and right now have have, you know, spent the last ten years bobbing between the top end of League One and the bottom end of the Championship. Like fair play to them. Darren McCansey's done a done a good job there he's got some decent pockets but he runs the club like a business it makes sense everything he does he will make mistakes we will make mistakes that's fine but he's running the club like a business with potential the potential of Swindon Town is significantly higher than the potential of Peter United I don't think anybody would disagree with that we're sat here being envious of Peter United it's it's crazy it's crazy how mismanaged we are at this point it's it's absolutely disgusting and Connor you, you know you said we, we we may or may not go down if we go down we go down four years later four years after our last relegation to the bottom tier and nothing's changed unfortunately we're in a far worse position than we were in four years. significantly worse significantly worse because there is no hope with this with, with this regime in control of the club there is no money there is no funding um 
depending on depending on the outcome of the court cases, people who were funding the club alongside power may, may not be no longer funding the club. Who knows? I mean, would you fund a club that you're going to court to fight? Would you fund the losses for a club who refused to acknowledge the fact you own some of it? Like I know I wouldn't. So who knows if if if, if those losses are being funded in the way they were? Like, there's no revenue. There's no season tickets. There's no player strategy on the pitch for next year. We have our worst manager ever. We're in a significantly worse position than we've ever been in going into League Two. And genuinely, if things don't change, our football league status will be. Yeah, I, I, I will be in doubt this time next year. I have absolutely no doubt. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we're playing kids the first game of the season, to be honest with you, with the way it's going at the moment. I'll say everything wrong with that. We can't recruit. Like, we can't recruit. And we're not going to sign anyone on loan because, you know, we treat our loanees really well, don't we? Eh? Yeah. But, like, oh, it's just the whole, the whole Tyrese Omatoy and the whole Tyler Smith situation is just symptomatic for our club of just complete and utter neglect. Like... Why, literally, why are they here? Why is Tyrese Omatoy here? To be fair to him, he'd be much better off being in Norwich's academy at the moment. It would probably be better for the club if we had, like, say, Harry Parsons on the bench or or whatever. It just seems... Yeah, or go on loan to Kings Lynn and train with the under-23s at Norwich three days a week. You'd be developing far far better than we're developing him. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's just horrendous, rotten mismanagement at every level, and nothing will change. Nothing will change. And then there's the maverick Tyler uh, Taylor Curran, who's for some reason playing the league one despite having no football league experience before before playing for the club. So fun. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I guess the football league experience is like neither here nor there, but the the football league standards. Certainly, <laughs> certainly not it here. Is, it's definitely there. <laughs> hey, experience is one thing; ability is quite the other. You know, like he's never even had a loan. Like, why not send him on loan to bloody Hungerford or something to see if he's actually got? Yeah, yeah, true. It's just, yeah, it, it, it's crazy when you consider the amount of like youth academy players that have worked their way up since they were, you know, little kids to be on the edge of the first team and haven't got a chance. Number of players that you can name in the last couple of years that haven't been given a chance. And uh, we really are handing out chance after chance to Taylor Curran. And it's, it's just so difficult to really understand what's going on. It, it's so easy to adopt this kind of conspiratorial mindset when like you're not being offered any reason not to have a conspiratorial mindset about the way that the club's been run. And Hey, it's super yeah, easy I mean, to... I take, it's it's super easy to shut down those conspiratorial conspiratorial mindsets and conspiracy thoughts, right? It's talk, talk. <laughs> I know it's just the fact yeah, we signed like, up from Southend without making any appearance for them. Like, so it's obviously the, not good enough. The club are capable. <laughs> the club are in theory capable of talking to supporters. So if you don't like the rumours, talk to us. Shut them down. Give us facts. Open the books. Who is funding the club? Because until we're told otherwise, until we're told otherwise, I'm going to assume, based on nothing at all, that someone is funding this club other than Lee Power, and they are getting something in return. And at the same time, Taylor Curran is playing football league minutes for this club when he absolutely shouldn't be. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's just 
it's so galling to watch because, you know, I guess I've been watching this club coming on two decades. A lot of people listening to this and you guys would have been watching it for a lot longer and we all care so deeply about what happens. And it, it just feels like, I mean, it was difficult hitting record on this <laughs> this blue podcast today because I just, it's not that I don't care because I, I care so deeply that it really hurts, but like... I don't want to be spending my Saturdays just feeling fucking annoyed all of the time. And I think that might be the first like swear word that I've dropped in this podcast that wasn't just read out from someone else, which says it all. I'm just at the point of just complete despair. And how do, how do we row back from, from that? You know, it's by someone really fronting up and just dealing with all of the issues one by one, making us a, a, a tantalizing prospect on the pitch. And it's just, so much it's so difficult to do Uh, when when crowds come back right like bearing in mind we haven't said anything about season tickets at this point which is just mental mental to think who's going i'm not not. fuck that you'd have to be fucking insane to go and watch that surely like I might go to Leighton Orient away because it's twelve minutes from my house and I like the pub there. Oh, I might go to Yeovil away because that's technical. technical. Yeah, the and technical. Yeah, have a couple of pints oh. of Wandle, you know. But I'd probably, I'd probably do the old trick of doing that and then just not going to the game, <laughs> just carrying, just <laughs> staying in the Leighton technical until five o'clock and then coming home pretending I've been to the game and the wife asked where I've been. Like, <laughs> like if 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 we were, I don't know, we had. Harrogate at home next week in is the opening game in League Two. Fuck going. Jesus Christ, not a chance in hell would I be spending money on that. It's difficult, isn't it? Because so many of our like social connections are also related to the club. So a lot of people that I have a lot of time for and that I like seeing are people I see at Swindon games. So I mean I guess in I guess you can see people out the side of outside of the context of football, but I just love the match day and I love going to these places that I wouldn't go to otherwise for football and there's been a lot of Swindon Town that I've watched in the last four or five years that I've gone to out of enjoyment for the day rather than enjoyment for football and I, I don't know if I could ever really row back on that but no, I get that I get that but yeah you kind of worry that that's the only thing that's keeping you going at, at some certain point because that definitely the football at the moment is not something I would really want to see um I don't know why I'm paying 10 pound for it Sometimes twice a week at the moment. I I don't have any social contacts with the club. And look, Connor, I get that completely, right? But my 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 points on that would be: a lockdown has broken the habit. Oh, that doubt. So when habits break, they are hard to rebuild. You need to motivate someone to rebuild that habit. It takes a long time to build a habit and a very short amount of time to break one. So as much as there is a lot of pent-up demand, there's also a lifetime of habits across the whole fan base that have been broken. And people have found other hobbies and whatever, whatever. And B, I agree with you in so much that I've spent the best part of 30 years travelling around the country following this club. And 80% of that time has been spent expecting defeat and only going for the crack and or, or, or standing on a, an open terrace at Chesterfield in the pissing rain because I like the people I'm with and it's something to do and it was me and my dad spending time together. But I, I genuinely think this is the, 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 the last 
sort of six to nine months, maybe a little bit longer, although League Two titles sort of clouds it. This season is the first time that I think the club are consistently, outwardly treating the fans with utter contempt, continuously. It's the first time I've ever felt like that. Yeah, I feel complete and utter apathy, to be honest with you. Like, I'm more looking forward to going to Froome than I am to going to Swindon, to be honest with you. Look more, hell of a lot more looking forward to my first game back at Badgers Hill than the county ground. So, and the only thing that's keeping me moderately interested in this football club is this podcast. So, because there's, there's just nothing. Because the hierarchy that own the club, whoever, again, whoever, whoever the fuck that is, don't give don't give a shit. So what? Like, why should we? If they're not willing to invest, and it's not just the money, we talked about this before. It's not just the money side of it. And I think that's always the thing they always, it's only power anyway, always seems to go back on is we don't have the money. Most football clubs at this level don't have any money, but they invest their time and effort into actually running it like some form of a business or some kind of community project that for people to believe in. And just, it's just an absolute shit show. And that's being kind to them because. I try, it's a farce, but that's a massive understatement. It's way beyond that. It's a tragedy. Yeah, no, I think you summed it up well, both of you. I, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you just, you just kind of wonder, like, <laughs> this, the, yeah, this is this definitely run on a long time. But like, what is our motivation for all of this as fans? Because I, I think a lot of it is just that you really want something to dream, and a, a lot of coverage of kind of lower league football and cup runs and all this kind of thing is uh you know people just being made to dream because you know amazing things can happen from sort of the least likely of circumstances i mean and it's just swindon to town do that for a long time then you got swindon town we go out we we, we make the low the non-league teams dream about knocking us out because it's quite an easy thing to do and we, we are just it feels like we're just running like you know making up the numbers this season i mean We've only just dropped back into the relegation zone after a few weeks out of it, but I'm, it, it genuinely feels every week like, regardless of what happens, everything is bad. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I would be reacting to this season were it not in the context of coronavirus, where we can't go to games at all because there have been relegation seasons. Obviously, since I've been following the club, start going in 2002, there have been three relegations to. League Two since then, and I've I've not taken any of those three quite as hard as this. Even though, you know, you know, back when you're like I, I know I was, I was eleven when we got relegated to uh to League Two for the first time, um, of those three, and yeah, like the, the emotional sort of reaction to that was probably going to be less than now. So uh, I don't know, maybe I've completely fallen apart as a person in the intervening fifteen years, or maybe it is just a complete insult to all of us and the way that we spend our time and the fact that we're here on a Saturday evening where we there's a lot of better things to be doing even though like nothing's open. And certainly we're still here. And certainly for us three as well, because we're not Swindonian based. I can't be fu- I can't be asked to go to Swindon on a Saturday. That's a whole day to to travel there, let alone get in the ground. So like it's just there's just so many steps before actually getting to the ground to actually stop you from going. I just... 
I'm gonna have to get a 26 to 30 rail card, James. That's do you know how insulting that is to I mean, me? I'm, I'm I'm on that precipice as well. So <laughs> I'd rather like honestly, I don't know. Like, if they played Warmth of Town in the friendly, I don't think I'd go. Like, ugh, it's just that I just can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered with football club at the moment with the way it's been run because as a, as a fan, certainly today. Like I wish I was annoyed about today's result, but I just don't really care. Of course, that was going to happen. Is completely irrelevant. Today. Who cares? Completely irrelevant. I think it's it's one of those things where the result is irrelevant, but also kind of the nature of the game. Oh, for sure, for sure. If you want to talk really about the game, the nature of it is 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 absolutely horrendous and embarrassing. Yeah. But as a wider, um, as a wider, we're going to talk about. Sorry, as a wider point, they. They like you. If me and if me and you two are sat here saying this, your more casual fan has already gone. Like they've eroded so much goodwill. Like they couldn't have disenfranchised a fan base more than, than what they have done in the last six months. It's insane. It's like I think Rich said on you know Rich 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 said on this podcast back in in November, December. Like, if you didn't know better, it's sabotage. Like, they couldn't have done anything worse than what they've done. They've just eroded every single ounce of goodwill, loyalty, like, passion for the club. Like, there should be this huge pent-up demand and excitement about getting back into grounds and irrelevant of who we're playing, irrelevant of what level we're in. There should... You know, like involve the community, engage the community. Instead, everything has gone wrong. You've lost members of the, of, of, of the back office who have been there their whole working careers, um, and our Swindon fans as well, and our and our huge Swindon fans. Yeah, you've lost senior members of staff. You've lost junior members of staff. You've lost uh, uh, the groundsman. Like, <laughs> okay, that's that's a unique situation. But you've he's still gone. Like, who's left? Who's running the club? Like Steve Anderson? God help us. Bloody, it's just it's just so grim, isn't it? I we could yeah. sit here for hours talking about how horrible everything is. I'm gonna open a can because it's a boozy pod. I, I can't do anything else but just aid myself through it. There is football to talk about, and oh, I, right, I, yeah. I guess if if we yeah, yeah, it did happen. Um I guess it, before we move on to the game, we probably need to talk about the the big thing from um, the press conference that was mentioned on the podcast that Rich did with Ryan on Friday. But um, there was kind of a response that happened after that went out. So Dion Conroy uh, was ruled out for the season by John Sheridan on Friday in the press conference, and then obviously contradicted him on on uh, Twitter very shortly afterwards. I mean, James, how do you kind of read that? Pass again, like it's just it's becoming more of a soap opera than the football club, so it's just another nail and nap coffin of the fact that we're a football club that's been run like a crash at best. So, yeah, I don't know, it's hard to care to be honest with you about that kind of the off well, the on field stuff, really, because I don't really see it changing anytime soon. And because John Turner is obviously not leaving anytime soon, so. We'll see. 
Terry, I mean, in terms of the sort of defenders that we've got, it, it, it feels if Dean Conroy genuinely isn't injured, like he says, then it's a bit of an insult that we'd play Taylor Curran ahead of him. Well, I think, let's, let's be clear, Dion Conroy is injured. His tweet said it's not that serious. Um, so I think he, he is injured, but that doesn't... I mean, the way the club... The, the way some people at the club, particularly Sheridan, and I'm assuming that behaviour is endorsed by people above Sheridan, because otherwise it would stop. The way that they're treating the club captain is absolutely appalling. Um, it's just another example of appalling, appalling management. Like, there are so many examples of our players who we know are pretty good players. Dion Conway is more than good enough to play League One football. He's a more than good enough centre-half to play League One football. Absolutely. But he's, like everyone, like all of his colleagues, being disgracefully mismanaged. Um Tom Broadbent has been absolutely abysmal the last few weeks. What has happened to Dominic Thompson? Like, it's no, it's no coincidence that these players are getting worse the longer they spend with these cretins. Yeah, don't think anyone can really argue with it unless they're the uh, people, people that are mismanaging them, basically. And do you know what? If, if, if any of those people at the club who are mismanaging them hear this, give me a call. Because you won't. Because you're not talking to anyone. You haven't responded to the the trust. You haven't responded to Clem Morfuni. Clem Morfuni has opened let open uh, his response to the open letter and the bid and in the details of the bid that he made. You, you're not responding to anyone. So you're not going to respond to me, are you? I'd like to think John Sheridan's listening to this because he just thinks we're we're doing a really good job of covering the club and that he will respond to you, Terry. So um, if if you do want to get in touch with Terry John, then uh, just message us on Twitter. Rich can put you in contact. It's it's absolutely it's eminently possible. So uh, we're ready. We're, yep. we're completely ready. Exactly. And, uh, and I can't wait for the the summer break podcast where we talk about the nineteen ninety four World Cup because that is definitely. The elephant in the room. We want to. We want to hear about it. But shall we? Shall we move on to the actual game? Because it does feel like we've got through like over half an hour. We should probably discuss the game that we're actually here to talk about. Austin, four goals. The man formerly of Pool Town this comes up. Well taken penalty for a piece. And this is the biggest aggregate between these two sides, surpassing the record from 1982-83. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Come on, Swindon! <laughs> My God, guys, I was not looking forward to this, and I, I, having watched the 90 minutes of it, I know exactly why. I mean, we didn't lose quite as heavily as I kind of had planned when well not planned had kind of prepared myself for in my head but the the padding that I'd allow myself by the fact that I thought we were going to lose 6-7-0 in the way that Accrington Stanley did a couple of weeks ago um hasn't made it any easier to watch it it's absolutely horrible to watch such an insipid display of football from like the club that you 
have been so passionate about for 20 years. It was just disgusting, wasn't it? Like the gap between the two teams is was just absolutely embarrassing. It was like a cup tie. It, it, it was like we were. It was absolutely, like yeah. It was like watching Molden and Tiptree when they who a cup they were on TV a couple of years ago and they had their FA Cup and then had a football league club at home. No, no, really. but it was that. It was. It was that. It was that though. Mm. It, honestly, the gap was just absolutely chasms. I think you're being really kind with Morden and Tiptree. Like, I think there have definitely been bigger David and Goliath match- mismatches in the FA Cup than what we saw, especially in the first half. I mean, second half was just a dead game. There was no point in it being played. But the first half, especially between Dembele's goal and the final whistle in the in the first half, it it, it was it was it was kind of like. A five-a-side team that have turned up with like all of their main players missing. You've got like one guy who's kind of got anyone that is able to that has limbs from work to be able to sort of fill in, versus you know like a a decent outfit of people that have actually played football before. It was a team versus Z team. I mean, it's going to be like um, to plug. It's going to be like the Stranger Shield, isn't it? Like uh, <laughs> people haven't played football for a long time against people. Who've- Played a fair amount, so yeah, it's just I don't really know how to describe that half. Like Posh were in first gear for most of it, and that's been kind to us. Then Dembele just absolutely ran through us. Well, Taylor Curran, but that, I could probably do that. Um, and then yeah, well, at least I got the time of the first goal right. So yeah. Yeah, have to say fair play to that. I should have brought that up before you did, James. Uh, we we did a little. When is the first goal going to go in? Paul, I got I went for six minutes. I think Terry, you went for about thirteen, didn't you? And uh, mm-hmm. James, you're correct with seventeen. That is absolutely mystic. I'll take it. Levels, yeah. Uh, yeah, just like I, but it just all seems so. Of course, that was going to happen. If I mean, 2-0 massively flatters us because we were awful. But then some of that first 10, 15 or so minutes, we played some relatively decent stuff. But that was because Peterborough knew that they were going to have a chance. They didn't really need to go beyond first gear at any point in any of the game. So I think it was just sensible management from Ferguson. You know, you don't need to come out and run around. You can go 100 miles an hour at us. Like, just sit in. Don't do anything too crazy. First 20, they'll give you the ball. They'll give you the ball. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, it's a it's a hectic fixture list. They played, obviously, two games last weekend. They're going for it at the top of the table. Um, just, just get out of here with three points without breaking sweat. And that's exactly what they did. Like, that first half, we you know the first ten minutes, yeah, we passed the ball around, but we didn't create anything. They, yeah, they, it's they... interesting, isn't it? Because like watching it live, I mean, obviously, I thought that we were going to lose, but I was amazed that we actually kept the ball for the first fifteen minutes. Like I think we had something like sixty-five percent possession at, at the time that Dembele scored his first easy goal, and I, I did kind of think, why don't we do this more often? Because we've been humping it long for no reason for the whole, you know. 2021 we did look a little bit better at doing it without really creating anything but 
and Peterborough a good team, but it just it just kind of felt a little bit pointless because you could visibly see that Peterborough were just biding their time until we made our first mistake. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's nothing really much else to say apart from that, really. We offered... We just did what we usually do when we put the ball on the floor, really, which was just play it around a little bit and then hope we have a bit of magic from either Payne or Scott or, or Twine. So that just seems to be our whole ethos in 2021 is just hope. I mean, obviously Pittman was on the pitch that he was obviously going to, he's going to do about as much damage as, as he would usually do. But um, yeah, just pointless football really, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, if we come to the lineup as well, because I think, we we probably sh- I I should have probably brought it up earlier in terms of it's it's a big bit of grist to the mill in terms of the the amount of changes made. I, I think some of the the changes um, that Sheridan made at the start of the game, Terry, were understandable in terms of like, obviously grounds has to come in for Iendolo. I think a lot of us wanted Garrick to play last week, and Hallam hope for Pittman's not a ridiculous change to make, but. Among the four changes, obviously Curran um, coming in for Odomeo, who I think was injured, um, w- was the other one. It, it seemed a lot of changes to make from a, a formula w- that was kind of stable and was kind of, if not in the last couple of games, getting us results that before that was hopefully giving us a ch- giving us a chance. It's just sheer so, stupidity. Yeah, it's, it. yeah. it's just sheer stupidity. Some of the, some of the things he does are just so stupid. I, I, it just blows my mind. Like, Sariki Dembele is probably the best wide player in this division. And you've put a kid forward and a competition winner to defend against him. And then you wonder how he scores two goals in the first 20 minutes. Like, come on. Uh, it's just stupid. It's just utterly, utterly stupid. Like, where's Rob Hunt? <laughs> I'm not saying Rob Hunt has had a great season. Uh, yet again, he's he's been woefully mismanaged. But as far as we're aware, he's not injured. Why is Garrick playing right wing back? Mental. Cadiz on the bench as well. Right, just play Cadiz right centre half if you, if AK is injured, and play Rob Hunt right wing back. And you might, might have a fighting chance of keeping Dembele a little bit quieter than, than Garrick and Curran did. Because it was embarrassing. Utterly embarrassing how easy Dembele had it today. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a mismatch. and I, I think, like, I said this earlier, but like calling Curran a competition winner is... Kind because if you want to enter a competition, you still have to win it. Whereas he kind of has been like the the lottery of birth is is kind of what's got him in in the place. If the rumors are true, obviously, so don't sue me, anyone that's, that's listening. But it, it's it is crazy, isn't it, that you've got like professional footballers that to all to all knowledge that we have outside of the club are available, and they're not being made use of. Like Rob Hunt was a shout for player of the season last year. Like, and, and that would have been, if we'd have decided that that was player of the season, it would have been completely, like, understandable. I think he's even contra- contracted for another year, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, he signed an extension, so, didn't he? So it's not like he 
isn't going to be part of the club going on. I mean, he, he might not be, but like he, he's a player that, as fans, we all have a, a huge affinity for. And it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that, I mean, there's there's so much noise that it's kind of like, what are you going to be noisy about? He, he, yeah, he's not had the best of seasons. He's had injury problems, but I, I, I really don't understand Garrick at right wing back when, you know, <laughs> by, like even Tommy Wright in the post-match interview said that he hadn't played there before. But you're the one who put him there. Like, it's like, do these do these do these two men not understand that it, they make the decisions? They come out and say things like that. So yeah, we keep conceding silly goals. Okay, well, you're coaching the players, right? You're picking the players. You're telling them where to go and what to do. Like, you, you know, like, come on, do something. It's just so weird to like absolve yourself of all blame when your job is literally to be responsible for those players. Is it, if, okay. if you absolve yeah. yourself, if you absolve yourself of all blame, then you're doing you're not doing your job because you're having no influence on the players. So you're literally standing in an interview saying, "I am redundant." Well, I suppose because there's no fans and stuff, they can just say what they want. Really, they're so stupid. No one's going to really pick them up on it. So. One of the great tragedies of coronavirus is that we haven't been able to like really hound them out. I posit it to you, James. Be interesting if they actually would still be if we were in there, but um, because obviously the gates would be down, so that would probably. I don't. I don't know. It's just if if Sheridan was going to go, he would have gone by now. So it all seems a bit. Yeah. It, it's all it's all a bit Titanic, isn't it? In terms of we see the kind of the the iceberg, and it's we've waited too long to try and turn the the wheel or whatever, and we're just heading for complete and utter disaster. So it's just or as ca- as the captain, he's literally deliberately driving into the iceberg, which is what it feels like at the moment. Like, there's no That's attempt all- to swerve. There's no attempt to swerve the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about captains, Jonathan Grounds, uh, God knows how many captain we've had this season, which is another. Yeah, but but James, I think you do have to remember Jonathan Grounds drove through Peterborough last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and actually, Hallam Hope's stepdad is from Rochdale. So, I'm not saying anything, but I expect Hallam Hope to have the arm back next week. I, just, I, just, well, I hope so because he deserves it. But it, it's oh, it, it it's crazy, isn't it? Some of the decisions that are being made. I mean, it, I, to a certain extent, maybe we need to swerve a week of not comparing Swindon Town to the Titanic because you know it happened in nineteen twelve, lads. We need to let go. But it, it just it does it does just feel like a ship that's like slowly sinking, and I just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of want Sheridan to give Curran the armband just because it'd be funny, just to see the fallout of it. Like, it's got to that point where nothing any of them do really matters because there's no way we're getting out of this. Let's be brutally honest here. There's no, I, I, again, I will be happy to mince my words at the end of the season. There's no way we're getting out of this. So we might as well just have a little bit of fun while we burn, like Pompeii or something, I don't know, fuck knows at this point. 
and also irrelevant of the level we're playing at next year. If if the same people are in charge, then the club is is a zombie. It's it's a, it's a hollow club. There's nothing left. In in spite of all of that, I definitely do not want to see Taylor Curran captaining the club. I, he did it at Welksham, didn't he, in a preseason friendly? But I think that's oh, about God, as far as I can go. Um. <sighs> Yeah. Do we want to like talk about the goals and stuff, or can we just just not do that? I mean, Dembele deserves a hat trick at best. I don't know; he deserves probably five. We should probably analyse ever so slightly. So, like, why why is he able to slip through about eight defenders, Terry, in the first one? Well, the first one, the the first one was where he was like crawling with the ball, right? I, I, I think it was obstruction, to be honest. But I, you know, I don't actually I'm not a referee, think of, am I? I don't actually think obstruction exists as a rule anymore, or sorry, as a law anymore. Uh, as a law, Jesus, that it's that deep now. <laughs> yeah, um, the laws of the game, as opposed to the rules of the game, as any referee will tell you. Um, so I don't know. I think he's just tried to keep control of the ball while on his while on all four, and managed to do that and not handball it either. So fair play to him, right? More importantly, Taylor Curran was distracted by a pigeon um, while it was all <laughs> happening, uh, which which meant that while every other player in red was at least uh, trying to defend while failing, Taylor Curran was looking at the sky, ambling around, doing something. Uh, not quite sure what. Yeah, um, I mean, James, if you look at if you bring it back a little bit, I think. Um, the goal is kind of led to by sort of a little bit of deliberation from from Anthony Grant, and potentially there's a, there's a point where um, the mid, the midfield could kind of try and close in and don't they like kind of delay and just let Grant deal with it. it is it kind of maybe a, a little bit where like everyone's kind of at fault as well as Taylor Curran, or is it is it really like you know why isn't Taylor Curran paying attention? Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean. I would say Taylor Curran did give him a huge berth from which to go in, which I suppose you could say if certain midfielders were back further, that would have helped with the space. But, I mean, if it wasn't going to be then, it was going to happen at some point. So it's almost like irrelevant, really, what happened at that point, really. So it was a matter of time rather than... It's more, more about when rather than if. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you can probably put that one slightly down to sort of individual mistakes among sort of a couple of players in that back line. Second one, I think, is is much more of a tactical issue, Terry, in terms of they're just not picking up Dembele at all. And if anything, he should be on their rap sheet even more so for the fact that he scored the opener. Yeah, the second one was, was really our own doing, wasn't it? I mean, Dominic Thompson's given the ball away. Um For, for me, the, the way that Dembele goes on current is just embarrassingly easy. It was just so easy. He just cut inside and put out you know, Grant on his arse and tucked it away. It's a nice little finish, but it's gift-wrapped. It's absolutely gift-wrapped, isn't it? Um, and, you know, it could have been so many more. So many more. It's just everyone just looks so cumbersome and it's just like we're not playing the same sport. I don't, I don't blame the individual players, really. I think they're victims more than they are. Uh, culpable for what is going on. Um, like how how can you expect them to perform? Uh, uh, even anywhere near their potential, how can you expect them to do that? 
when they're so, so grossly mismanaged. So it's a real shame to see solid pros look so cumbersome and, and unengaged and, un, and unmotivated. It's just, it's just sad. It's just sad to see. It really is. Like, and there's some there's some old guys in there who you know at one point after after the when the penalty was given in the, in the second half, Jonathan Grounds was just sort of going mad at Missalou and just looking around. Like you must just see like how have I ended up here? How has this happened? And it's just so sad to see you know solid professionals end up be just just be part of this circus, um, playing alongside players who have no right to play at this this level. Playing for a guy who does nothing but abuse them and, and show no, as far as we're aware, sort of genuine tactical nuance or awareness, um, motivational skill, nothing. In, in an empty, dated, crumbling ground, it's just, it's just, it's gone, isn't it? Like the whole club's just gone. Yeah, I mean, in terms of positive incidents, like the only time I can really. Im- remember us being towards the opposition goal James was Scotch Wine's amazing dive <laughs> to oh, try yeah. and get us a penalty towards the end of the first half I mean I think this was remarked as sort of something that you know might have been you could you could give it either way I mean from from my perspective it was like so obviously a dive maybe he got clipped a little bit but the way he went down like he deserved the yellow card that he got right yeah, it's a bit boy, uh, boy crowed wolf, isn't it? About about that. I mean, if, even if he was clipped, I think the amount of times he does look for those situations. And yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there was there was a penalty there. But again, it all seems a bit arbitrary, really, because there was no way we were coming out of this with anything, really, because we were just off it from minute one, really. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, what about the the second half? They like. We, 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 I guess James, like we kind of did a little bit more, but I feel like Peterborough really effectively held us at half, at arm's length. Like we had a bit more of the the ball than maybe in the last half an hour of the first half, but mm. never looked like troubling them. Yeah, I mean, it was just they exhibited some form of game management where they knew they didn't really have to do a hell of a lot to keep us out, so they just went through the motions really, um, and we. Did a little bit. I remember Twine had a shot from outside the box, which made them. Joseph Bursic made a save, make a save, and apart from that, I mean, and then you had the, then you had Tom Broadbent come on, who was playing here, there, and everywhere because Sheridan has no idea about tactical awareness or <laughs> or anything, and then. I know, just second half just summed up our season really. Um with the subs. I mean really. Terry, how did you um Terry, how did you sort of react to Broadbent back up top for the first time since crew? Uh, I why? Why? Why do it? You've signed strikers, you have strikers. It's just just ludicrous. It's just yeah. This, the thing for me is like you know there were defenders he could have taken off and there were strikers he could have put on. So Broadbent could be in his familiar position. We could have had Tyler Smith. Or we could have had Ty- Tyrese Omotoyi on the pitch doing what they're supposedly trained to do. You know Broadbent made it work against Oxford, and I'll, I'll always have like 
a lot of thanks for that. And I'd like to hope that he can kind of play his way back into form in, as a centre-back and get back into the team. But it just felt like a Hail Mary in a game where we didn't <laughs> didn't need one because we could have just managed it from the start. But it was a mess. I mean, obviously, James, there's also the, the penalty debacle where Clark Harris wins and then misses a penalty and... Uh, Obviously, his goal at the end, but I, I really, I think the story of the second half is Lee Camp actually making a lot of saves. Yeah, I mean, we'll go on to man of the match, I'm sure, in, in a while, but I mean, I can't think of anyone who deserves anywhere near it. The only one who could probably think about it is, is the man between the six, really. He made a couple of good saves, and I think the, the penalty was, again, good kind of, I suppose, game management from Camp as in. Taking the taking the foul and hoping that he can make a save. So, and obviously the, that happened. And then I don't know. I just can't go over over the subsequent in that second half and the fact we had Scott Twine, <laughs> our best forward, playing essentially as a central midfielder, and then Joel Grant coming on the pitch because fuck it, why not? Like. Well, Jack Payne coming off, despite the fact he's been our best player probably for the last month or so. Terry, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Look, if we had a if we had a, a a person in charge who I have a semblance of respect for, I would suggest that Jack Payne coming off is because the game is dead and we've got a very big game Tuesday. But I guarantee that's not what this was. This was Tommy Wright and John Sheridan having a game of cards, or guess who on the bench, and it was it was uh, Pittman for Payne. Apparently, that's what came out. So, you know, if you if banging it to one centre forward doesn't work, try and bang it to two of them. I guess. Um, I don't know. I've got no idea what our shape was uh, once we made that change. It was sort of a weird three-five-two, I guess. But then on one side you had a you had a, a forward at wing back on one side and a centre back as wing back on the other side. We had a centre midfielder at centre back, a centre back at Wing back, a forward at wing back. Yeah, a left winger at up top. It was just a mess, wasn't it? It's just it's just a complete mess. Like everything he does is just just stupid. It's just stupid. He's just comp- from from the outside looking in, he just completely lacks any any intelligence. Yeah, I was chatting to like a, a Carlisle fan during the game, who who obviously watched him a couple of years ago, even in like the. Um, the, the first game that Richie Wellens took over as a, a Swindon manager, I think Sheridan was in the Carlisle dug off that as a, obviously a 4 0. And he was kind of, you know, of the same thing of just like, you know, how, how, is, he, how is he still sort of around? Because he just kind of picks fights with players and doesn't seem to sort of have any awareness. And I, my, my kind of take is just that, like, you know, for, for the end of his career, he now just needs to drop into sort of the backroom staff or, you know, a non-league team that are particularly able to take criticism, basically. It, 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 it doesn't seem to be up to the level, but, you know, it doesn't matter because it's, it's Swindon and that's a job for life. And the funny thing with the, with the non-league thing, he's already fucking did that and he nearly took Chesterfield yeah. to National South. Yeah, yeah. Andy, yeah. Uh, Andy, of course, went to Waterford um, and then described the league as a pub league while there. So you ended up there, John. You got yourself there, mate. Nobody else. Um, he's an extraordinary combination of ineptitude and 
toxicity to 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 an extreme on both that I don't think I've ever experienced or seen before as a football fan. I can't think of anybody that is equally. I can think of people who are apparently as bad a manager as him, and I can think of people who are as toxic as him. But I can't think of someone who has both. It's extraordinary when you think about it. I think the person I kind of somewhat. This is a bit unfair on the person I'm going to mention, but that I kind of put him towards is like Phil Brown, where it's like he's a man who's kind of passed the sell by day in terms of his managerial prowess. I think, I think really. Phil Brown's a nice man. Oh, yeah, th- yeah, but I yeah mean, that, exactly. That's what I'm trying to like, there's, like, I had a lot of respect for because he seemed like a nice enough guy, Phil. I mean, good luck to him at South End, but um. Just Sheridan is just if you if you looked for toxic toxic masculinity in the dictionary, it would have his fucking face by it. Like he just seems like a genuinely out of date human being, certainly in the football setting, that just wants to tear apart a dressing room every single week because that's what you do as a manager, apparently. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people were kind of feeling bad for him in terms of that he is probably towards the end of his career in ter- in terms of being sort of like a headline manager because... That's his like, own doing. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> the reason he is doing that is because he can't adapt. I mean, James, you made the point a couple of times on the podcast that, like, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are about the same age um, yeah. as... as John Sheridan, he doesn't have to be as good a manager, but he has to at least be able to measure up to them as a person to be able to kind of stay in the game, kind of thing. And hey, you could have another twenty years at this, John. If you're if you're if you're good and or nice, you could probably have another twenty years at this. If he wants tips on being like you know presentable in public, I'm not saying he should come to me, but there's someone that would be able to sort of be able to fashion him into sort of like a you know bit of a modern man, be able to sort of talk to people. He just, looks he just like doesn't, he's, doesn't feel that way, does it? He just looks, looks like he's watched Mike Bassett Football Manager thought that was a documentary, like all or nothing. Like, mm-hmm. just, I just want to pack him off to managerial dignitas and just let it end for him. <laughs> just end with dignity. <laughs> but James, Mike Bassett had some vulnerability. Uh, that was that was uh, like, oh my god, like, managerial dignitas is the greatest <laughs> phrase I've just, ever heard. Just, just, just. <laughs> Let your career die with dignity, John. Just let it die with some dignity. Just, like, come on, you've got this. Just just go and chill somewhere. Like, you've had quite a good career. Just go and do the VIP rooms Ella Road. They'd love you up there, John. And yeah, you'd probably I... have a pint while you're doing it. It's Curzon Ashton is there for you for a reason. Yeah, I was going to say, in this group chat, with this Carlisle United fan, there's also a Sheffield Wednesday fan who really goes at me whenever I'm slightly negative about him as a manager. And it's just Brilliant. like, yeah, talk Hills- to this guy. My, do, my Hillsborough mate and, do Hillsborough and Ellen Road on alternate weekends. You know, build the, be the <laughs> Phil King of Hillsborough. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah I guess Phil King could be the Phil King of Hillsborough, couldn't he? Or... Yes, he could. I'll give you that. Yeah, but... Um, I mean, I'm sure sometime another match at some point. I think I think we've really laboured the point. This is a long pod. I'm yeah, gonna have to edit this until whatever hour it is. But um, I mean, or he could just be the Glenn Hoddle for Ireland. He could just go on Satanta or whatever, the, the RTE or whatever. Because oh, oh God, no! Imagine him doing. Oh no! 
Come on, that's, that's, that's really indignified, James. Come on. Sorry, Alan. Sorry. <laughs> he, he could, get, he could, comment, he could comment out on the public. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man of the match, we're all saying Lee Camp, right? Because who else? He's the only one. I, I mean, I was going to go for Prince Philip as a hashtag classy touch because yeah. it, it did feel like there wasn't many choices to make. But yeah, I think I think Lee Camp stands out because he did make a lot of saves. I think he was the only one there that you could say didn't have an absolutely terrible game. I mean, big up Torres Amatoy for existing. Absolutely. His sitting was exemplary. Just like imagine being a relatively decent youth player and then coming to Swindon and just doing nothing. Like, Bonkers. It must nothing be so Norwich weird. could um, set a points total in the championship and he might have been able to get, you know, like five minutes off the bench. And surely that's like more valuable to him than five minutes off the bench for us while we're well, about that. to go down to League Two. I would imagine he just doesn't. I, I, no, I don't know at all, obviously, but I would imagine he just doesn't give a toss. You just you just count down the days until you can go home, wouldn't you? It's like whatever. I'm still getting paid. I, I I'm not going to be here in four weeks. But I mean, considering no one, COVID, no one no one likes me here, so like okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. I'll just chill in the corner, do the absolute minimum, and go back and try again next year. Like, who cares? I mean, I don't want to go into this too deep. But obviously, we've had the whole Lee Collins thing at Yeovil this week. I just imagine how horrible it must be for for him to be in. I don't know if he's like at a hotel in Swindon or whatever on his own and there's just no reason for him to be here. Like, I don't know what his living situation is, but it must be just so... For him and Tyler Smith, it must be so demoralising knowing that they're not going to get on unless, you know, Krakatoa of football opens up. Just... I, just I think so Krakatoa of football might be uh, an even better pod title. We're, we're really, James, you're really providing us a lot of content today. Well, you know, Kanzageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another uh, another podcast title. There we go. Right, list of uh, contributions. Let's do it. That, that was just what I was about to move on to. If we start with um, Ben Nichols, he said forgettable game and a forgettable season. Easy win for Peterborough. Shazza will stay. We'll say we've played well. Um, in reality. Um, Camp and a ship pen denied it being five or six. Fail to win Tuesday will be fatal, and our impending points deduction will come next season rather than this. Awesome. Stevie Lee Camp, super pen, a superhuman today, man of the match. Peterborough, the kindest team we've played in many years. Can't help but feel Nathan Thompson had a, a kind word at half time. Um, and we've got a nice stop. He's already dead. Gif from The Simpsons. Paul D, like watching a much-loved family pet deteriorate sat day by day, slowly and painfully, and wondering why no one has the compassion to put it out of its misery as it once again shits all over the kitchen floor. Jason Spacey, 3-0, and Camp, man of the match, says it all. Not having a manager that would be better than this. I'm not saying Tyler Smith is the answer to our problems, but what does it take to give him a start? I'm going to be hungover on Wednesday, whatever happens. Dan Goldswain, just like getting my name read out tar. P.S. We're bad. You're welcome, Dan. Um, Hanra Hanra, Anthony Grant. Uh, we are rotten to the core. You can't blame the players. And it's clear our fans generally are not doing that. This is a season of scandal and I'm angry, truly angry, which is bonkers as I'm generally a genial kind of bloke. Honest, happy man of the match. Anthony Grant, a close second. Paul Manning. 
expected loss that just showed how far some of these players and the squad have declined. Only players that deserve credit are Grant and Camp. The blame still has to sit with the management team. Bizarre man management and decision-making from the dinosaur man of the match, Grant. Craig Dean, Sunday league lineup, Sunday league performance. None, nothing less than six points from the acceptable in the next two games. Player performances, camp man of the match, then 50p of crap, and then the rest of the players. <laughs> <laughs> West Coast Wizards, Cleveland beat Wellington in a friendly and readiness for the FA Vars Cup tie in a few weeks, and I'm pumped. Swindon, um, in Wilma, only for the spreadsheet, and because otherwise it could have been seven or eight league camp man of the match. Nothing else to say. It was as depressing as I'm sure we all expected. It's the hope that kills. Uh, Batch, no point in man of the match vote. It should have been five, six, seven, or eight. No, five, six, seven, five, six, or seven, sorry. Um, Camp, Twine was shit. Thompson was shit. Garrett can't cross. Missile tries, but is shit. Palmer has a purpose, not sure what it is. Current is out of his depth in a paddling pool. Hope isolated. Grounds and Grant did okay at times. Tuesday is a must win. Will that dickhead in charge go for it? Will he fuck? Dan Stevens. Again, went the way we all expected it would. Camp was excellent, made some very good saves. Peter's, Peterborough were actually very wasteful, but are always in control. Massive seven days ahead now. Two must-win games, almost certainly relegation if we don't. Pete Marsh, Lee Camp, man of the match for not getting sent off and having a clue. Matt Rochdale will have a bridge too far on this show. Will be a, Rochdale will be a bridge too far on this show and many others. Jack Tanner, has Sheridan developed a distrust for strikers or something? Can see us struggling to get loan players next season, even how little Tyler Smith and Omatoya played since Christmas. Mm-hmm. Cutting hard hat, power doesn't care, Sheridan doesn't care, and it's infuriating that they don't have the opportunity to hear what the fans think. Jamie Townsend, Curran seemingly realised he was right-footed today, always thought it was left, not as bad as expected. Camp, man of the match, no doubt. No O'Clockland, camp, grounds on Grant, man of the match. The club is being dragged through the dirt by the custodians and it's awful to watch. Matt Hutchins, two, heard, two words, a pathetic mess. Wardy's dreadful 19 minutes. Peterborough won't play an easier 19 minutes this season. Devoid of any attacking threats. Uh, clumsy, if not amateurish at the back. Question, what does Matty Palmer do? Camp man of the match, stopped to drubbing. Uh, and Gary Johnson, awful, never looked like we wanted to compete. If Peterborough didn't get out of second gear, Team selection was a joke with the current selection as he was run ragged. Camp man of the match as he kept it respectable. So definitely camp man of the match. And uh, I think we're not out of touch in the uh, it is a complete disgrace kind of stakes in, in terms of performance, James. Yeah, I mean, just another... I know we've all called it another free hit and we move on, I guess. There's any way we could... Oh, God, it's awful. It's so bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is... The problem is it wasn't a free hit, was it? Like we we needed something from that game and we didn't quite get it. Whoever came up with this concept of free hit needs shooting, I don't understand it. <laughs> what does it mean? Like what? Like we don't what? So this week didn't happen. Like the results to other teams didn't happen. What does it mean? What we actually mean when we say free hit is we don't think we're going to win this game. Therefore, we're going to stop ourselves from becoming emotionally hurt by saying we're not going to win this game and then when we lose it, we can say, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. Of course it matters. Every game is equal. You've got to compete and try and win every game and we didn't compete Uh, at all. I mean, nothing matters because we're a club that hasn't existed since February 1st, so, you know. There is that, yeah. And, you know, 
one of the one of the listener contributions said Sheridan doesn't care, Power doesn't care. I think he's right on both counts. Um, at this point, I wish I didn't care. That's where I am with this now. I wish I could just switch it off and just not worry about it. Uh, it still feels a bit Monty Python, doesn't it? Feel feels a bit for Yorkshireman, doesn't it? So no, I wish I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's just all. Oh, I just hate being apathetic because I really just I today today won't alter my mood that much because it was expected and like it would almost have been weird if we'd won like or got anything or showed any guile or any kind of sense of semblance that we actually want to be a football club that exists rather than a community centre for footballers who want to have a go at I don't know who cares it's just awful just tired. Yeah, the, the the painful thing is that we care, despite the fact that the people that are actually in charge don't like. It's just it's just so annoying. Like there's so, so much of my mental energy this week is going into Swindon Town when the people that actually have the proper potential to actually fix the situation that we're in don't give two hoots. And I, I you know. That's not liable because you know if they, if they did care, then they would uh, get rid of the absolute useless manager that we've got. Bring in someone that you know could potentially do the job. I, like I say, I think the the players care, but they've been asked to do the wrong things. But like, if I was a player, if I was being asked to do the wrong things at my job, I'd just carry on doing it and be like, well, you know, you you've told me to do it, so whatever. So it's it, it's it's so difficult. I mean, one final bit of correspondence if we go to Dan, um, who's asked us to include this. Regardless of how badly I play at centre-half during the Strangers Shield match, I'll be playing 90 minutes because my dad's going to pump some money into the pod. We'll hold you to that, Dan. Um, and he still won't be the worst centre-half to grace, grace the county crowd this season. Power, Anderson and Sheridan. Useless bunch. So, oh, it, it's just everything just feels so bad to it at the moment. I mean, Terry, do you, do you feel optimistic at all ahead of Tuesday or are we just going to just gonna go through the motions again? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Until, until everything changes, nothing will change. And at this point, I, who, who cares about... Tuesday and <laughs> winning or losing like I know that sounds like you know dramatic or whatever but I think as a as, as a fan base now like we've got a like we, we've got to focus on on the fact that this club is dying in front of our eyes if, if not already dead um, irrelevant of what league we're in next year what is more important than what division we're in is how we're being run as a football club and who is running the football club. We need season tickets. We need a budget. We need revenue. We need a strategy. We need structure. We need players. None of this is happening. Irrelevant of what division we're in. So the six games now are ultimately futile in my head until until there are other bigger battles going on, I think. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, James, is, is there maybe an argument to be made that like if we stay up this season, then it cushions the potential fall in terms of we might fall into League Two rather than non-League if we do get this like hefty points deduction that people are speculating we we may get, or you know potentially if we can't get the standard of playing squad that we might want, that we might fall into League Two rather than League 
like, rather than non-league. It, 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 is it that that we have to be thinking of, or is it genuinely we can stay up and then we can hopefully attack the league next season? Well, I mean, we can't we can't even look towards next season in terms of players because the ownership has to change because that's the only thing that because they're obviously all checked out at this time. Like Power is definitely checked out, and obviously standing and Barry, whatever the hell's going on there is. So we just need to sort out who is actually owning the club, who actually wants to put money to the club before. Because at this moment in time, I can't see anyone wanting to put any more than the bare minimum to keep it running, which, I, I as I said earlier, I genuinely think if it stays the same, we will be playing kids the first game back, like Bolton and Wigan have been doing at this point. So, yeah, I mean, if we're in League One next season, I suppose that's a lot better, but... Just means we're going to get trounced a little more, but I suppose it'd be the same for a too as well. But. Yeah, and it, and it does make you wonder, doesn't it, Terry? Like, how f- bad does it have to get for us to get national attention? Because some someone like Bolton, Berry, Morecambe, not Morecambe, Macclesfield, they've got national attention for how badly their clubs have been running in recent years. But how badly do we have to be run to be picked up by you know people that maybe care about the game in a wider sense rather than just sort of their club allegiances? Well, it is happening, isn't it? We saw it in the sun this week. I know um, I saw on Twitter that Matt Slater, Matt Slater from the Athletic, has said that he's he's looking into into the FA charges and, and doing a deeper dive. Um, does that change much? I think at the end of the day, the only two people have the power to no pun intended to to change this, and that is the courts and Lee Power. Um, now, either we're going to wait for the courts to change it, and if that's the case, then we've got another year to wait, or Lee Power has to be pushed to the brink of uh, to, to be pushed to the point of no return, to the point where he can't take a li- take a living from the club, and to the point where he is better off out than he is in. Right, he's not in it for the love of the game. He's not in it for the love of the club. Like. If there was a way out for him to leave with cash, I'm sure he would take it. We've just got just just come and just be open, talk to talk to the fans, let us know what you need, what's going on, um, and figure out a way of getting out of our club. It's simple as that. I mean, it's going to sound hypocritical saying, but I think it's, if there's any ever any time to get involved in the kind of trust side of things, now's the time. I think in terms of, I think if you're interested in football, should all, I mean, I'm probably going to do the same this evening and try and put my sub in for the trust. I think that's going to be important in the next, to give them as much power in terms of the fan base as much as possible next, because it's going to be a, a war, I think, in the next six months for the future of our football club, to be brutally honest. I think it's, we're far from seeing the kind of the end of it, I think. So. Yeah, we're, we're mid-unravel. It just depends how much damage can be caused as we unravel. You know, we're very much in the middle of that unravelling for sure. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of more stuff will happen. Um, and it's just how much damage is going to be caused as it happens, I think, is the is, is, is the great unknown. Um, it could be... We, we don't know. We, we can't speculate. It, it could be as bad as anyone fears. It could be nowhere near as bad as anyone fears. Um but there is potential that the damage to this club and to this 135-year-old institution 
it, it could potentially be fatal at this point. I just, I just think the fact that Clem, who is a Campbell Funny, who is a genuine shareholder or stakeholder in the and stakeholder in the football club, has not seen the full extent of the accounts. I think that says it all. Really, I just. I'm I'm just terrified this is it, to be honest with you. Like, it just all seems a bit Steve Dale and Barry, to be honest with you. I just... I can't think about next yeah. season now, because I don't know, even if we'll have a football club there, or we'll be heading off to Supermarine or Melsham or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's worrying, and it comes after a, a worrying result. The insult to injuries that I guess there's, there's two more games to watch next week, so that's twenty quid down the drain rather than the usual ten. And uh, I, I guess we'll be here to guide everyone, guide everyone through what's happened. So if anything does, then uh, we'll have to react to it. But it at this point just feels like like <laughs> so much time and energy to go through the most horrible season that I can remember because, you know, when we've been relegated before, it's not felt as existential as this. Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, it's just the fact that we're not even there. We're not even getting that kind of social element from it either. We're just getting the result. And, like, even the 2010-11 season was awful, but you have good memories and that, like, away days and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, now, we're just turning off a laptop or whatever. You know, it just all seems a bit bleak. And then onward to El Shitico at Spotland on Tuesday. Whenever it is, God knows at this point. God, I can't wait. Anyway, thanks both of you for joining me. Um, can't wait till Tuesday. <laughs> that was cheery, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, up yeah. AFC United of Swindon whenever that's being formed. AFC Town of Swindon, I I think. We, we, we've got a big list of names. Maybe that can be a bonus pod at some point. Ugh, yeah. Fun. Anyway, have a good one, guys. <laughs> the Low Strangers is a Swindon Town podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was designed expertly by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon! <laughs> Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.